This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Blue Talks. All right, so we're back again. Uh, so, Bonnie, I guess where I'm going to jump in, I'm going to kind of go a different direction. Sometimes I do this. Uh, but I'm going to go in a direction more so to see, can you tell us a little bit about yourself to kick things off? Uh, just for those that may not know you, but also like, um, and I'll say a Reader's Digest version, but can you just kind of tell us just a little bit about your work and who you are? Yeah, so... I work with people helping them to redevelop a healthy relationship with themselves and the quality of their life. Um, I feel that there's too much shame around having a human experience and our journey. And so I really help people be able to work through the shame and really have a conscious relationship with who they are and a life experience uh, versus a right or wrong or... Um, having to be somebody to something else versus becoming who you are. Uh, so I like that, and I'll add, um, I like how you said, you know, doesn't have to be what somebody else needs it to be, because one of the things we were talking about last night in one of the conversations we had was about, for me, I think sometimes we see there's, when people are having a conversation and both are fighting over who's right, hmm. I think sometimes what would make that conversation easier, if sometimes we made it clear, this is what I believe, but not necessarily this is, the, this is what's right, because I see people battling all the time over, no, this is right, no, this is right. But I always often think of, well, if, that, if you feel that could possibly be right, isn't it possible that this might be right? So in other words, this is what I believe, and it's okay if you believe something different. I think if we were able to come into things with that perspective, our conversations would go a lot further. So it would be helpful to learn that we see the experience, we have the experience of life through the story we tell ourselves, and that's why there is so many perspective available, um, but we're not taught to communicate that way. We're not taught to learn that person's language and view and story and learn the universe of that person. We're taught to debate right or wrong, good or bad. And so I think that that's what really creates a lot of the internal suffering and confusion around who am I supposed to be and all the expectations in that. So your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your wife, you're all those titles. And then there's all these expectations um, of those titles. And then it's like, where am I allowed to be me? And how do I find me when I remove these expectations? So we just, I think when we're having conversations with people, it's, it would be really beneficial if you could just like step back and become curious about their world versus believing your world is the only one. So I love that. And uh, I'll add to that. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, different perspectives um, in terms of us being able to 
like you said, be able to see that it's maybe through somebody else's lens. And so one of the things my girlfriend often says, which I like, is she said, uh, don't try to ask why they're that way. Ask how they got that way. Yeah. Like, you know, don't try to say this person's like that or what have you. How did they get that way? Like, why did that happen? Meaning, what's the backstory? Yes. Like, what triggered that? What made them go in that direction? Uh, instead of judging somebody, you know, like you said, maybe figure out they're seeing it through a certain lens and there's probably a reason. You know, I, I, just as a side note, she put a post up yesterday and she said, hurt people, hurt people, and healed people, heal people. And I think that's so true, right? But I mean, we forget sometimes that when somebody's hurting somebody, a lot of times it's because they were hurt. Mm -hmm. Like we have, um, not to go into a tangent, but we have a, our, our five, well, six-year-old now who's being bullied at school. And we know, because we know, smaller town, we know that the girl doing it was bullied. We know that she had some stuff going on in her home life. Like there's other variables. She didn't just say, I'm going to pick on this kid for the fun of it. Like there's stuff that was happening. And so it's easier not to blame her and say it's all her when you realize she has her own crap that she's dealing with that got her there. So anyway, I think that's sometimes we forget that there's a person in there that went through stuff that we might not understand. Yeah. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah, like you're, you're on the coaching side. So I, I go in this direction because when you're coaching people, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but on a coaching side of things, you have to listen, you have to maybe pull out, you know, why it's that way, try to help heal stuff. Depends on the type of coach, you're, you know, you're working with people, depends on the type of coaching, but I assume some of the stuff is blocks that they have because they're from their conditioning. Mm -hmm. So is that a big part of helping people when you work with coaches and help them break through is what's holding them back from breaking through that might be a conditioned thing? Yeah. So helping them. Um, so part of the work that I do is intuitive. Uh, so I can kind of get a feel for like an age range it's in, believe it or not, however you might feel about it, but I can go back to an age and, I'm, and um, I can see experiences as though I'm having them without actually visually having them. So they're almost just sensing it. And so maybe they seen mom saying yes to a marriage mm -hmm. and they knew that mom was really upset about this, didn't want to do it, but felt it was the only way that she could make it work for her and her child. And so she agreed to this marriage. The child seeing mom unhappy and now this child that's an adult is like, I don't know why I have such a hard time with relationships and why I'm so passionate about women needing to be so independent. Uh, well, that's her passion and now she's having a hard time with relationship, but now she's also having a hard time because she's taking the experience. Um, it's almost like revenge, if you will, that just continues along, um, but she's continuously harboring the idea of that role that she needed to play for her mom, uh, that she couldn't get through because she was young, right? I couldn't communicate this to her, so now I'm gonna communicate it loud, but now I'm also going to have challenges with my relationships, and I'm going to empower women to be independent. Well, secretly, I've got these issues where I'm having a hard time trusting, right? Yeah, that, I mean, something you said there, which I struggle with sometimes, and I, I understand both sides mm -hmm. of it, but the idea of people that are teaching, coaching, what have you. And so my belief always is when it comes to if you're teaching somebody about something, you should have... Now, I understand the idea again that, you know, you've had these struggles so you understand it, so you can teach it. But I often think you have to be somewhat healed from it when you're teaching it. To be, you know, like if you're a speaker going on a stage, I usually mm -hmm. say you have to at least gone through some of it. Like don't 
get up to talk about divorce if it started two days ago and you're mad, yeah. real mad. Like, yeah. I think you have to have gone through it to teach from that perspective. And But I see a lot of people, like I was kind of mentioning earlier about people see something coming out tomorrow and they start teaching on it the next day. I do see a lot of people that are teaching stuff that I know they're not living. And a random example is I see people teaching abundance who are not abundant. Hmm. I see people saying, let me show you how to become a millionaire, whether that's what terming is right or wrong, become a millionaire, who've never been a millionaire. To me, there's something incongruent, like there's yeah. something not authentic about that. And so I do believe you should have, depends on the nature of the thing, but I think if you're teaching something specifically, you should have been, you should have been there yourself. Like now, a difference is I say this, I be, I'm careful on this because you can be a great coach, mm -hmm. a general coach, like a life coach, for example, that maybe never lived what that person lived. You can be a great basketball coach that maybe never played in the NBA. You know, some of the best basketball coaches never played at that level. I see that. But to me, that's different than saying, I'm going to help you run a business as an entrepreneur, yeah. but you've never run a business. So I don't know your thoughts on all so that. So I tend to work with women who've hit a plateau in their growth, whether it be their personal or professional life. So um, the specific example was a woman that I was working with, and she had indeed hit a plateau in her work. And it was the... The breakthrough that needed to happen was the realization that she was still holding on to the resentment and anger of that situation. The role that she was forced to play and the experience she had as a child as a result of her mother being so unhappy, right? So once she was able to identify the role that she took on and then able to, as an adult, look at it differently, her business began to flow um, with greater ease. And so I don't believe that you can outperform professionally um, your level of internal awareness. Mm. Uh, I think it, you will hit that plateau of like, in the past it's been so easy for me to achieve and achieve and achieve and achieve, but suddenly I've like hit this plateau and I, you know, things, I just can't get past this. To me, I'm gonna say you've gone as far as you can uh, with the awareness and the you know, healing that you've done and now there's a whole new level to look at for you. And so that's, I tend to work with those people who've hit the plateau and they need to have the breakthroughs in their personal and professional life by doing that deeper inner work in their personal life. So when, when you say that, I think about uh, the idea of progress. And so I'm gonna ask you a question, your, your thoughts on this, but just for some context, uh, in the, the latest book that I'm working on, one of the quotes I put in there, and, and it's not my quote, but I've, I've heard it many times, which is, um, in my opinion, perfection is the enemy of progress. And so what I mean by that, and I, I've had people, like, well, I have somebody in my mastermind. I won't go into too much detail because I won't, don't want anybody to know who it is, but the person has written a book, which I think is probably a brilliant book, but they will not let it go. So, you know, been telling us in our group for three years, the book's coming out soon, it's almost done. Uh, I've had an editor go through it, but like every stage is like, this book has to have been done by now, but they won't let it go. And I think it's a perfection thing. And so what I say to the person every now and then, just to give them a little push, is my book that's in the world, that's impacting lives, which may be a decent to okay book, is actually doing more than your per perfect book that nobody ever reads. Mm -hmm. And I believe that to be true. Um, and especially in the world of books now, because we can put a book out, not 100% perfect, and still make a change. We're in print on demand. Even if we're with a traditional publisher, it's a little slower for them to make that change quickly. But if you're self-published, you can put the book out, get it out, change lives. And if somebody says, you need to change this or you see something's wrong, you can change that in a dime. So to me, it would make more sense to get it out impacting lives. That's a long tangent to say, what's your thought about, because you probably work with people that are perfectionists and they could be changing the world, yeah. but they're still stuck on saying, but it's just not the right time yet. I find that 
at least for the people that I've worked with, perfectionism has a lot to do with the fear of disappointing, fear of being a letdown. Um, and whenever we get that big creative project out there, whether it be finally starting our business or finally releasing that book, it's I'm not just letting myself down. If I share this with the world, I could potentially be letting my fans down, my clients down, the readers down. And it's such a bigger responsibility and potential burden to take on. Uh, but at the same time, if you only view it from that lens, you have no idea the lives that you positively impact through the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom that you can share, um, even the fun, whatever that course or book or thing is. So there's always that option to create through either lens. But when you find yourself so stifled and stuck in professional, uh, perfectionism, it has a lot to do with, um, if you look back, what were the punishments and consequences of you disappointing people in your life? And how did that feel? And you're trying to actually protect yourself from having that experience again. So it's interesting because people often ask me, I don't do this as much now, but I'll probably do it. Uh, I'm doing a TED talk less than a month from now, maybe three weeks, and I'll probably do it before that talk. But in front of many talks over the years, especially when I used to speak like 200 days a year, people are like, how do you get over that fear? And I still carry it with me, but what do you do before you get on the stage? People always want to know, what's the last thing you do or whatever? And it used to be meditate. And that sounds perfect, and everybody said that. That's what you should do. Here's the challenge with that. When you're booked like I was with corporate meeting planners, and you get up from the table to go meditate, 10 minutes before your talk, they start losing their mind. Where is he going? Is he coming back in time? Is he going to know we're back in time? Like, so I started realizing I was adding unnecessary stress. So what I did differently goes to this point about you don't know the lives you're going to impact and maybe not impact if you don't release this into the world. Uh, I call it the invisible impact. But I would go, so what I do is when I go on stage, I don't do it like I say as much now, but when I was speaking all the time, I would remind myself of something somebody said that basically they were sharing that I had an impact on them some way, shape, somehow, in an audience or somewhere. So just before I'd speak, I'd say, uh, remember when so-and-so told you that you did this for them? And then it reminds me it's not about the audience. It's about the fact that I could impact somebody and not know ever, or I might not find out for 10 years that I impacted them. And so an example is, I did a talk one time at a college, and this guy who was, um, or sorry, not a college, I did a talk that was aired on TV in, in Canada on a, a network called Eastlink TV. And it aired like 30 times in a month or something. And this one guy named Zadinko, who was like 50-something, and I was 19 at the time, I came on and talked about how I had retired and haven't worked a day since. And the idea behind that was, if we consider working, work, like actually doing work, I haven't done that forever. I'm, I'm retired. And so, but I shared it in front of a life insurance group. So I said, you can retire at 19, even if you haven't made investments yet. And basically, it's just the idea that if you do what you love, you're never, never working. So anyway, he heard this, and he said it changed everything. He quit his job. He went mm -hmm. and started his own business. It changed everything. And I only found it out five years later. And then I went and did this talk for college, and this girl messaged me and said, I just wanted to let you know, you gave me the kick in my butt to go back to um, school, and now I manage three rental car companies. And she had said, and I said, when? And she told me, I said, oh my God, I don't even remember doing that talk. Wow. But clearly, I did. Like she sent, me the, she sent me the name of the place and proved it to me. Mm -hmm. But my point is, these are two people who if I wouldn't have got out of my own head and got out of there, I have to be perfect in the front of this audience and done those talks, these are two lives that maybe they may be impacted thousands of people. None of that would have happened. Mm -hmm. So to your point about, uh, I think sometimes it's about realizing that each time we're doing a disservice almost by being so perfect that we never try to impact the world. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the difference from needing to be influential to inspirational. It's that also what you did was reframed, right? You could have come out here and, and been terrified uh, and your body language would have shown it, you would have stumbled and everything else and that would have been the result of the movie you were playing in your mind, right? It, your body followed um, the movie. Uh, but people who, we're just not taught the effects that thought has on the imagination and we, it doesn't matter if what's going on in the mind is happening or not, your body is still going to respond to that image. You're going to begin to feel in alignment with that image. And then you behave in alignment with that energy and that behavior creates a result, right? Which creates your external reality. But we're not taught this way of understanding ourselves uh, which I can't wait until there's that great big reform in our schools and our kids are coming home teaching our parents, you know, parents about thoughts and, and behaviors and imagination. Uh, but there is such a power in that willingness to realize, like, just like that, you can, you can change the tone of your thought and just entertain a new image for a few seconds just for your body language to begin to change and your willingness to take imperfect action to follow suit with that. Well, I wanted to ask you about us rewriting our story yeah. in a sec, but to your point, um, one of the things that I often say, because I believe to be true, and I just, it's so weird sometimes you share something for years and you think, oh, this is something I kind of came up with, and maybe you did, but it's so wild, then you go read it by another person that wrote it in a book in the 50s. Yeah. I've had, Jack Canfield and I, I have a lot of stuff I teach, and then my friend Tiffany became a trainer for him, and she goes, oh, Jack teaches that, Jack teaches that, Jack teaches that, and I never went through any of Jack's trainings. I mean, and it, it makes sense, right? Like, we're not creating probably original ideas. We're creating our perspective on an idea. Point is, uh, I often talked about how we spend so much time focusing on how we feed our body. But how many people put that much thought to how much they feed their mind? Mm -hmm. And th then I read this book by, called The Magic of Thinking Big. Uh, David, I think, Dr. David Schwartz, I think. Mm -hmm. And he talks about mind food. Yeah. What are we feeding our mind? Like, same concept, but it is, I believe it to be true, is that we go to magazine, or like stores, and there's 50 magazines about what to put in our body, but how many magazines are there about what to put in our mind? If we're lucky, we see a mindfulness one, but it still doesn't even talk about what you're inputting in. So, my point of all that is, how do we, like, this is a big area, like, it's great to say, you know, we're writing the wrong script, we're telling ourselves the wrong story, but it's not as easy to just go, okay, I'm going to change that. So, how do we rewrite our story? I get so excited about this because that's obviously a huge component to the work that I do with my clients. Um, when you ask somebody what they want and they start to tell you about their dreams, their vision, their future, their, their big wow, you can see their whole body language begin to change, right? There's just this excitement. Again, that goes to the body not knowing that what's going on in the imagination isn't actually happening. It's just responding to that image. So what I ask my clients is, does your uh, narrative, your story, match the illustrations. Can you imagine how confusing it would be if you pick up a children's book that says 10 fun facts about the rainforest and you flip open the front page and then all of a sudden the story is about sightseeing in a big city and then you flip it back at the front and you're just, this is not, did I, they put the wrong pictures with this story. Well, that's confusing. We're doing that all the time. We have this image of what we want, but when it comes to our internal narrative, it's oftentimes misaligned, 
and that creates confusion in the mind. And that's such an uncomfortable emotion. The body always wants to avoid and escape the discomfort, right? So for whatever reason now, um, I think about my, my desire, but my internal dialogue, my story isn't matching that image. And so now I tend to resist or resent myself for having such a big dream. If you can shift it and get your story to match your illustration, align your words and your images, there's no more confusion in the mind. The mind will play along and you will embody the energy of it. And it's really fascinating. So get your story and illustrations to match. So just before I ask you how we can learn more, uh, since you said that, uh, I, I'm wondering sometimes what we can learn from it. So I was told by a few people the last couple of days that my energy is pretty high surrounding the fact that I was in Liverpool where the Beatles came from, and, and kind of a bit passionate about that. When I'm telling the stories, did you know this happened? Did you know John did this? Did you know John's Aunt Mimi hopped the fence and they took the house after the war? And, wow. Like learning all these things. And so, uh, but my question is, in your opinion, you know, we hear Tony Robbins talks about like how he helped like Andre Agassi figure out exactly what he was doing when he was winning and then turn it back on so that he went from a slump to basically finishing out his career in a high. So he taught him how to condition himself immediately. And, he, and he's really good at that. Like I was in a big audience and he showed us how if you're trying to sell a pen to somebody, try to sell it thinking of the best day of your life. When you got married, you're excited, whatever. And then try to sell the pen on the worst day of your life. Something bad happened. And he's got the person that you're selling it to to tell you the difference in you. You were like leaned in, excited, whatever. And then when it's the worst day, you're slumped. My point is he taught you how to turn your conditioning on. And so I guess my question out of all that is I'm super excited about this Beatles thing. But is there something we can learn from that to tap into it, to bring it to some other area of our life? Yeah, wherever you feel the most incompetent, uh, where you feel the most vulnerable, where you feel the weakest, going into that space um, and, and just practice that mental rehearsal. Borrow, I, I tell my clients, borrow the energy of your best day when you're feeling the best. Borrow the energy of your favorite conversation. And you can do that just by imagining it, remembering it, the body will go into alignment with the memory, with the images, and then shift your conversation, but keep that energy language. Keep yourself in, in merged as that version of you. So I'll say the power of that after I heard Tony Robbins say it. Uh, like I was in sales at the time, and I went to a big learning annex conference, if you guys have heard of those, but it's like a big real estate conference. And it was mostly real estate people there. And it was in Boston, and I went there, and he taught, like, said, sell the pen on the best day, the worst day. So, of course, it occurred to me when I was flying back home, when I'm going through the door to make sales, often I'm thinking, oh, great, here we go. Another yeah. cold call. That's What's this guy? And I'm thinking all this negative energy is going to happen. So I said, what if I were to think of, and I forget what it was at the time I used as the best day ever, but I thought about what about if I, just before I walked through the door, I think best day ever. No joke, my sales went up by, like, I forget what the number was, but, like, 70% or something like that. That, one, that very next year. And the only thing I did different is I went into every call, cold call, differently than I always had my whole life before. And I'd already done quite well in sales, but to see the change was almost, you know, almost incomparable, even though I'd already been doing well. And the only thing I changed in that whole year was changing the way I walked That's into it. the door. Like, That's so, it. in other words, just before I'd walk in the door, I'd say, okay, think good thoughts. I didn't say it like that. I'd think of best day, but it, basically it's like I'm saying, think good thoughts, think good thoughts, yeah. think good thoughts, walk through the door, make the call, come back out, think good thoughts, think good thoughts. And I noticed even, like, 
in sales what we call the gatekeeper, the first person I saw at the desk, they had to decide whether or not I was ever going to get to CE, see the CEO or what have you. I noticed I was even better, like my interaction with them was more positive and changed and, and it was all just doing that reframing. So I just wanted to validate what, you know, what she's saying here. It truly does work. Conditioning yourself or reframing to best day ever. That's it. So I just wanted to ask you about that. So uh, Bonnie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as I said, last question, unofficial question. Actually, I, I should ask you the time machine question, so I'll lump two together. Okay. After the time machine question, just tell us uh, how we can learn more. Okay. So Heidi doesn't see me separating and doing two separate <laughs> questions. So that question just at the end, help share that with us. But before we go there, I should ask you the time machine question since I ask everybody. Uh, you've heard it, but you know how it goes. But basically, if you could jump into a time machine, go back and talk to a younger Bonnie, share some life advice based on what you've learned in the years since, what do you think you might tell younger Bonnie? Wow. So seeing how I got married when I was 17, still married. Um, so I have to go, I, I think I'd want to go back to at least 15 or 14. Uh, I would want to let her know that the validation and the, the confirmation that she was seeking from everybody else, um, she would have never been able to achieve that. It would have... I would have asked her to work on her relationship with herself. Mm. I love that. I, yeah. I see people, I saw somebody the other day post on Facebook, hey ladies, I'm single. And like he was like literally like was it a post, it was like an ad that he's putting yeah. in to let all the ladies know he's single and looking. And uh, yeah, and I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I really don't know how well that's going to work for him. Yeah. Somebody said, I, I applaud your initiative. But at the same time, I'm not so certain how that's going to work in real life. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, when I say that, like, it's like, um, you know, there's a certain way you can put that out there. Sure. And there's a certain energy behind that. And I mean, we could go into what that screams to probably ladies, the single ladies that see that post, but <laughs> to each their own. Um, but yeah, so I just so totally get it. So um, like I said, the other thing is how can we learn more? Like if people want to find you, connect with you, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook um, and Instagram, The Freely Me Journey, or you can go to thefreelymejourney.com or bonniesurrey.com. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Bonnie. Thank, Thank you guys you. again for uh, listening and joining us. Uh, until next time, to be continued. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.